0: Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Lockdown Sunbelt. I'm your host Dave Schultz, afternoon host on Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP in Mobile, Alabama, covering the South Alabama Jaguars, formerly before that, formerly before that covering the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns as the morning show host on 103.7 The Game. We'll be chatting with Alan Blondin, the uh, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers beat writer for the Ori Independent and MyOriNews.com. We'll talk about this year's club and how the uh, program has been built over the last few years and how they have uh, taken off. Uh, he's not quite sure that they are as good as their record would indicate, which is a perfect five and oh. A couple of ball games I did want to highlight this week because we have a, a handful of mismatches. Uh, although winning on the road and it doesn't matter what level is not. Easy. You have James Madison going to Arkansas State. ULM beat Louisiana at home, but then got rocked by Arkansas State. James Madison just blew out Texas State at home, so we'll see how that game goes. You do have Appalachian State on the road taking on Texas State, so we'll see if that matters in that ball game. And you do have. Coastal Carolina making a long trip across uh, the conference to UL Monroe. So there are some interesting games in that respect. Can the road team, who is generally better, uh, take down what may be an undermanned home team? But the two games I want to focus on, Georgia State and Georgia Southern and Troy and Southern Miss. In the East, this is a big ball game for both teams. Georgia State, not only is it a rivalry game, not only is it who is the real GSU game, Uh, but it is Georgia State trying to keep on going after they beat Army for their first win. They did have a close loss to Charlotte, but that's where we kind of got off the rails, right? Losing to North Carolina is one thing. Losing to South Carolina is another. Losing to Coastal is another, but they lost to Charlotte which really was like, well, maybe they're not quite as good as they had hoped. And then they go up to Army and take down the Cadets uh, in a ball game where their defense actually came through. Goal line stand, even when they punted away from the shadow of their own end zone, they had, had to come up with another uh, defensive stop, and they did, and they were able to tack on some touchdowns at that point in time. Georgia Southern, maybe the Shine has come off of their win over Nebraska. That was a huge win. Same weekend that Marshall beat Notre Dame and App State beat AM. All of a sudden, Georgia Southern finds themselves 3-2. Both teams are 0-1 in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern losing that tough ball game. What a good ball game it was against Coastal Carolina. CJ Beasley with the leaping touchdown over the defender. And uh, Coastal goes on to win that ballgame 34 to 30. So both teams still looking for their first win in in the sun belt and it's a big game in uh, the east in the west you got troy taking on southern miss southern miss had an early off week they did not play last week and they don't have any conference games under their belt they are two and two and they've won their last two ball games uh very impressively last time out on the road against will hall's former stomping grounds the tulane green wave Same for Troy. They come in hot. They've won two in a row and maybe should have been three in a row. They're three and two. Uh, They are one defended Hail Mary away from being four and one. Uh, But they've won a couple of big ball games. Uh, Troy did beat Marshall a couple of weeks ago, and that was coming off the heels of the Hail Mary against Appalachian State. Uh, and they did a good job of collecting themselves and winning that ballgame. Then they went on the road and beat Western Kentucky, uh, and that's not an easy game. They were a five-point underdog, but they went in there and won that ballgame. John Summerall is doing a really good job with uh, the Troy Trojans. Uh, and so this is a big ball game in the West. Again, Southern Miss hasn't played a Sunbelt Conference game, so this is just to keep up with South Alabama, who is the only, I guess, well— Southern Miss would be undefeated in the, in the conference but they haven't played a game yet. Everybody else has a loss. Uh, outside of South Alabama, and so Southern Miss would put themselves right up there with the Jaguars who are off this week before ULM comes in the following week, and then after that, five days later, it is Troy on Thursday night. So Troy can also put themselves in a good shape in the West uh, with a win over Southern Miss. They would be two and one, and right on the heels of South Alabama, who again in a couple weeks they take on the Jaguars. So those are the big ball games uh, this week. Uh, Troy hosting Southern Miss, and uh, Georgia Southern at uh, Georgia State. Uh, Who can uh, stay hot in the West? I don't think it's South Alabama's uh, division by any means just yet. I think these teams are still pretty good. We'll see what ULM is. I still think they're going to be a dangerous team down the road. That's not a game that the Jaguars next week can take for granted. I think you know, I haven't seen South Alabama beat Troy in three years of covering South Alabama. It's a new team this year, but probably wouldn't lay any money on that one just yet. Uh, and Southern Miss seems to be heading in the right direction, uh, regardless if Will Hall maybe needs to, you know, you know, stay off the Red Bull or or maybe try some decaf coffee because he is one intense guy. How much he cares and how much he wants to have Southern Miss back to their uh, winning ways. All right, let's take a timeout. We will talk with Alan Blondin, the uh, beat writer for the Coastal Carolina, clears for the Ori Independent, and MyOriNews.com. You're listening to Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Lockdown College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the weekend or throughout the history of the teams we cover. This week's thrilling moment is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns' 2011 New Orleans Bowl victory. Prior to being selected to play in the New Orleans Bowl against San Diego State, the Raging Cajuns in 2011 were picked dead last in the Sun Belt and were last out of 120 FBS football teams. Uh, They had not been to a bowl game since 1970 and the New Orleans Bowl was their first one as an FBS football school. It was Brent Baer who kicked a 50-yard field goal to give the Cajuns a thrilling 32-30 victory over San Diego State. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in all of the new Frontier. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today.
1: From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Sunbelt. Let's talk about those Coastal Carolina Chanticleers with Coastal Carolina beat writer, Alan Blondin. Alan. I mean, how good is this coastal team? A lot of people thought, maybe me included, that the turnover, especially on defense, was going to hurt them. Uh, and yet, another
1: thrilling, some may say, leaping thirty-four to thirty victory over Georgia Southern. Yeah, it still remains to be seen. I think how good the team is. I mean, they're you know they're, they've managed to win all five games. Uh, they have tra- they have trailed in four of those five games in the second half. Um, some of them real late, as as was this past week when. They needed a touchdown with uh, 38 seconds left to pull out that win. Um, even against FCS faux Gardner Webb, they um, they've scored with six and a half minutes left to take the lead. So they they know. I guess at this point, they're a program that knows how to win, um, but they're uh, they're needing to pull out these games late through the first five weeks. Um, so it's still, it's kind of still a open book a little bit on how good they can be, how good they are now, how good they can be, and where they'll end up by the end of the Sunbelt season. All right, you've
0: covered the, uh, the Chanticleers for six uh, years. Uh, how have you seen this program
1: uh, grow? They've been playing football since 2003. Yeah, well, that, uh, you know, they, had that, you know, they transitioned to FBS um, in 2016-17. Their first year in the Sunbelt was 17. Um, they had three consecutive losing seasons. They went two and six in the conference three years in a row. And then 2000 happened and uh, everything changed. It was a, a metamorphosis of, of, of a type here for the, for the program. They went 11 and 0 in the regular season, you know, got all the national attention, beat BYU when uh, ESPN game day was on campus. So it, all of a sudden, uh, you know what, Jamie Chadwell, the head coach was preaching and, and pushing and everything kind of clicked in that one year. And they haven't looked back, you know, they went, 11 and one, then 11 and two last year, 5 and 0 oh this year. So they're 27 and three in their last uh, 30 games, which is number two to uh, Alabama and the nation. So hmm. it's, it's a pretty crazy, like I said, I guess it was kind of a metamorphosis, really. It just, they, they built up, you know, they, they kept a lot of the same players. As you mentioned, in the turnover this year. They, so these same players were in the program for five, six years. And those are the guys that, you know, went 11 and 0 and 11 and 2. And now they've got uh, a lot of guys that have still been in the program a number of years in some cases, but just hadn't gotten a lot of playing time with all those, you know, experienced guys in the lineup. So it's uh, it's an all new crew, but the winning continues.
0: All right. We're talking with uh, Alan Blunden from uh, the Ori Independent My dot com. Why don't you tell us the background of uh, of the program, because it's it's a fascinating one. And it, it you know usually doesn't start, you know, college football programs usually don't start with, you know, billionaires uh, when they're making the transition there. Uh, but that's exactly what happened. I guess Joe Moglia was living out his childhood dream and becoming the head coach of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Tell us about Joe and what he meant to uh, the program to sort of lay the groundwork for Jamie Chadwell and Grayson McCall.
1: Yeah, and he, he, he handpicked Jamie Chadwell. As a matter of fact, he, he brought him in. But, um, you know, prior to that, the program started in 03. It was FCS. Uh, the first coach was a guy named David Bennett. He was a South Carolina native. Uh, had never coached above, you know, uh, Division II, basically, at that point. Um, so he built the program. They, uh, you know, they became a, a perennial playoff uh, contender. Um, and then, you know, he kind of ran his course. Last couple of years of his tenure, they, they struggled a bit in the big South. They were you know, kind of 500 after being one of the best teams in that conference for many years. And uh, they're looking for a change. And Joe Mowgli was the guy they brought in. Um, he had left. He was the CEO of TD Ameritrade. Uh, he remained the chairman of the board of TD Ameritrade throughout his coastal coaching uh, tenure, um, but had a smaller role with the company, obviously. He, uh, he spent a year at Nebraska and then uh, under Bo Pelini. and when Coastal was looking for a new coach, they took a leap of faith with, with, with him. You know, he had coached, you know, 20, 30 years ago um, at Dartmouth, I think he had been, and so he wanted to be a college football coach, then uh, money and family kind of, you know, he needed some money for the family and went into a, you know, a, a field that would pay him more, and then, you know, 25 years after incredible success of building TD Ameritrade, he wanted to get back into coaching. Coastal took a leap of faith with him, and the guy built it up with, you know, a very unusual coaching strategy. Uh Bam is his thing. Uh, be, basically, be a man, be accountable for things you do. So the program didn't really have rules; they just had this accountability for players. And um, you know, he built. He, he kind of ran it as a as a business as much as a football program. And uh, he he was the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year one year. They were. They spent 12 plus, I think it was 12 weeks over a couple seasons ranked as the number one team in FCS. Then he handpicks Jamie Chadwell um, to be his offensive coordinator, head coach and waiting. And he kind of gave up a year or two earlier than he really wanted to. Um, if you talk to him is what he tells you that he thought Jamie might be getting some offers from other people. And he wanted to make sure Jamie was the guy that took over the program. So he resigned a year or two early. Jamie took over took over in uh, 2019, and the program is where it is now. And Jamie's now, you know, a candidate for several of the bigger coaching jobs in college football, but he's still there, and they're still winning. Where Where did Jamie come from? Was he on his
0: staff? Where Where did he come from? And you know, tell us about the story about Grace McCall because a previous guest said they adopted Grace McCall's high school offense and. He came out of nowhere uh, to to hop on the field against Kansas, and you know Coastal Carolina hasn't looked back since.
1: Yeah, so Jamie uh, was actually a rival of of coastals. Jamie was at Charleston Southern uh, for four years, and he and Joe were kind of they were kind of rival coaches. They were two of the best programs in the Big South, and you know they were vying for the championship uh, most of the you know a few years there. Um. So they were kind of rivals and Joe obviously gained an appreciation for how Jamie ran the program and the offense that he ran and, um, you know, brought him over as they were making the move to FCS, um, to give Jamie a chance to move up and them a chance to move up with them. Um, so that's where he found Jamie. Now, uh, Grayson McCall came over as like a two-star quarterback, um, played very little as a freshman. Um, but he did come from an offense that he played three years in in high school that was very similar to what Jamie ran. So he was very accustomed to it, was very fluid in it, made a lot of right decisions in it. And, you know, the, uh, that 2020 season, Coastal had two returning quarterbacks who had received – they both had started at least six games in their previous couple of years. So everybody was looking at those two guys as one of the main guys that would take over. And Jamie kind of, as a surprise to everyone, threw this Grayson McCall kid in at Kansas. And, you know, I think a quarter and a half into his tenure, they were up 28 nothing at Kansas. (laughs) And uh, they never looked back from that point. Um, And he's been obviously phenomenal. Um, They're running a Heisman campaign for him here. Um, And, you know, he he set the, the passing efficiency record for the NCAA FBS passing efficiency record, which... Last season, which had been set by Mac Jones and um, the, the previous year and uh, Joe Burrow the previous year before that. So, I mean, the kid's doing amazing things and he's in the perfect offense for him. And he had some offers from bigger schools to transfer and chose to remain at Coastal this year. We're done
0: with Alan Blondin, uh, Coastal Carolina beat writer for the Ori Independent, com. All right, how would you describe the uh, Coastal Carolina? offense it's kind of rpo
1: with an option yeah it's a triple option offense but they throw a lot more than most triple option offenses so they'll have at least one back in the backfield occasionally they'll have two um they'll run in motion sometimes those guys will motion out and leave no nobody in the backfield but a lot of times it's mostly he's going to have a run past option he, you know like most triple options he'll he can hand off to the running back he can run it himself but then he'll pull back and uh, throw passes in a pocket. He'll roll out, throw passes from uh, you know outside the pocket. So you know, and they incorporate everybody in the offense uh, in, in a many different ways. They run a lot of motion, so guys are getting the ball in, in different places. Um, so it's yeah, it's just uh it's 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 hard to prepare for because every play there's multiple options, and you've got a guy that just set the uh, FBS passing efficiency record running it which makes it a whole lot more difficult to to stop.
0: BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information, with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile voice to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. We're locked on Sunbelt Wednesday edition. All right, let's go back to 2020 because there may be a couple of people in Lafayette, Louisiana, wondering what happened to that Sunbelt championship game. And apparently, well, I'll let you tell me that Coastal just, they lost a, more than a handful of players to COVID?
1: Yeah, you know, as, as the season went on, like they're, they went, they got through the season without COVID issues for the most part there. So they ended up playing BYU that, that, uh, that one week where BYU came in and coastal uh, ESPN game day came, they played BYU because Liberty had to cancel their, their scheduled game because Liberty had cases of COVID. And so their season had been impacted by COVID some, uh, but yeah, that week, uh, of the championship game, um, coastal, you know, says they, they, uh, They got some cases of COVID within the program, weren't able to play that game. And so they, you know, they both were deemed co-champions and they both went on to their bowl games. And Coastal went on to end up playing Liberty in what would have been a game that was scheduled earlier in the year in their bowl game, in the Cure Bowl. Yeah,
0: but uh, Coastal was considered Sunbelt champions because they were higher
1: ranked. Is that right? Um, Well, officially the league deemed both of them co-champions, honestly. The, The league... You know, the league gave both of them the championship. I mean, you could say Coastal was considered the champion because they, you know, they ranked in the top 25, a little higher and all that. But right. according to the league, they were both they were both co-champions. All right. So what were the expectations coming into this year? Well, they lost a lot of players. I mean, they lost about 17 starters. All of they them wearing the mullets. They were, what's that? All of them with mullets. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few. They, they've stayed, yeah, they, they, they've switched off the mullet look a bit this year. It's not quite as prem, uh, as prominent and prevalent as it had been, but um, um they're still, uh, they're still a, a a little, they're still a loose bunch even without the mullets, but um, yeah, they lost not only all those starters, but it was guys that had been in a program. Some guys had started 50, 60 games, you know? Um, right. And so it was really a question mark as to how good these guys coming in would be. And like I said earlier, it, it still really is. They, they have five and zero, but they're not, they're not convincingly beating most people. They're convincingly coming back, which is, you know, a trait in itself to be able to pull out games late. But um, you know, they lost a lot of guys on defense. A lot of guys on offense. They lost all their special teams, guys, their kicker transferred to Mississippi state. They lost their holder, their snapper, their punter. Uh, all to graduation and, and extent, you know, extended eligibility. So um, it was kind of a, a question mark what was going to happen this year. And as of now, they, they've continued their winning ways. And they've got, you know, they've got Old Dominion, they've got Marshall, and they've got App State coming up over a three-week span or three-game span. And that's kind of going to determine, I think, where their season goes.
0: All right, let's wrap up things with Alan Bonden, beat writer for the Coastal Carolina uh, Clears. South Alabama now all of a sudden is four and one in the West or four and one overall, one and zero in the West, and very quickly they've gone from the uh, hunter to the huntee. And it'll be interesting to see on how South Alabama handles that. How has Jamie Chanwell handled that? Obviously, pretty well uh, considering
1: their record over the last few years. But they get everybody's best shot. Yeah, and he talked about that uh, post game. He and Grayson both actually posted about, talked about that post game um grayson uh say, you know says the team believes they still haven't gotten the respect they believe that they've earned in the sunbelt i'm not really sure if that's a- accurate um you know when you're 11 and 0 11 and 2 5 and 0 three years in a row I, I don't know how people don't respect you so not quite sure that's true i think the second part of it's true though where jamie was talking about he said that everybody hates him and that's probably people probably dislike the program um they celebrate every win with a special trophy and a special celebration. And occasionally, you know, they were tweeting those out and, you know, that could have rubbed some people wrong. Um, you know, they had some boisterous Twitter guys on last year, linebacker Teddy Gallagher and Silas Kelly were not afraid to post their thoughts on other teams on social media. So I, I, I think they've earned the respect. So I think Grayson's a little off on the respect part, I think they are very much disliked, and I think Jamie's correct about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, every time they play somebody in a Sun Belt, they're definitely getting somebody's best shot. And thus far, they, they welcome it and they've been able to handle it. And uh, like I said, they've got a three game stretch hosting Old Dominion, going to Marshall, and five days later hosting App State after the Marshall game. And that's, I think that little stretch is kind of going to determine where they go.
0: All right. So, quickly, Obviously, recruiting to Myrtle Beach can't be all that difficult. How do they draw in in a vacation spot like Myrtle Beach? As far as recruiting goes, no. As far as fans at the games,
1: yeah, they've done better. I mean, they uh, even through parts of last, even parts through parts of two thousand, and they you know they were having a hard time getting their students to hang around after halftime. You know, this year, the, the this year they've sold out two games. It's their first two sellouts. Stadium only seats 20,000. They sold out Army and they just sold out Georgia Southern for family weekend. They've got Old Dominion's a homecoming weekend. That, that's got a chance to sell out probably. So honestly, it's, it's built. Um, it took a while for people to jump on it. The community really has always supported coastal athletics. It was getting the students to show up uh, to games. Their basketball games still get very few students. Um, but they've managed uh, with this success to get the, co- the you know the students out. So they've got the community support, finally got the student support. So now they appear to be game to game filling up. Um, but it really has taken a while. This year was the first year they've sold out a 20,000-seat stadium. And that that's not that great of an accomplishment, really.
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about their NCAA bas- uh, baseball championship. What was that ride like? And what did that mean for uh, the athletic program? Because they actually did that. The year before they joined the Sun Valley.
1: Yeah, no, they, uh, that was an amazing run, actually. Uh, you know, the baseball program's always been very good. Uh, always been top 25 worthy, really. Um, even at the level they were playing, um, you know, with the Big South Conference. They were always at top of that and, and always a very, very good team. Yeah, so they, and they were, they, you know, there was no fluke there. They beat LSU. They went to LSU for the, uh, for the Super Regional. They beat them at LSU, they beat Florida and, and other very good teams during the college world series and beat Arizona in the best two out of three. So they were playing legitimate programs and uh, did it without fl- a fluke. So that was a big, big, big deal for the program, obviously for the school, you know, it gave them something they could hang their hat on. Were national, you know, baseball champions in 2016. So that I think actually, uh, you know, helped them fundraise and, 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 and ultimately led to the football program elevating to the level it is with the aid of that baseball attention and baseball, uh, fundraising.
0: All right. He is Alan Blondin, the, beat writer for the coastal Carolina Chanticleers from the Ori independent and my Alan, always great catching up. Thanks very much for hopping on locked on a uh, Sunbelt and all the best this season.
1: Yes. And don't forget if you, uh, you can follow all my coverage on my Twitter. I'll always post everything to the Twitter that I write. So it's at Alan Blondin, A-L-A-N-B-L-O-N-D-I-N. So it's easy to find just my name on Twitter. And uh, I'll post everything I write about the Clears there.
0: Thanks very much for tuning in to the Wednesday edition of Lockdown Sunbelt. We'll be back with Thursday with another edition of Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day.